Alright. Is it just me, or does fucking Shuichi look like the tall, lanky nerd who's gonna grow up to be a extremely handsome Sigma male? I, I think that's weirdly specific, but yeah. Sure. It. I mean... Tell me that man ain't handsome. I mean, he is... He's supposed to be, like, a weird, like, sickly Victorian boy uh, handsome, right? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, today we'll be talking about Summertime Rendering, Call of the Night, and Uzumaki, right? Yes, welcome to Weeb's Wonder Wednesdays. Weeb's we Wonder record. Wednesdays. <laughs> oh, the day we record. Okay. The day we yeah, record. Yeah. Uh, no, welcome to Weeb's Waifus and Wonder. Um, I am Cyborg, Booyah, and this is your other host, Garg. Hello, it's Garg. And yeah, we are going to talk about... We, so we've watched the first three episodes of Call of the Night, Summertime Rendering, and then we've read through all 20 chapters of the manga Uzumaki by Junji Ito. Yes, just to kind of sample everything, uh, kind of feel out some good October spooky-themed anime. Hell yeah. Especially Uzumaki. I, I think they all approach the like horror theme in a different way, and I I'm kind of interested to, to talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> would you like to start with uh call of the night okay first uh l let me make sure i know what order we're doing this in okay. are we gonna do call of the night summertime rendering and then uzumaki yes okay just wanted to make sure i have that right okay so yes call of the night is a i'm going to say halloween themed horror themed uh, but more of a rom-com anime. Yeah. And basically, it's about a schoolboy who goes out at night, has been skipping school, and staying up all night, not sleeping, and he meets a vampire, and he falls in love with a vampire, basically, right? Yeah. Or he has to have her fall in love with him, and then she drinks his blood, or is it he has to be in love with her, and then she drinks his blood? He has to be in love with her, and then she drinks his blood. Yes, and he wants to fall in love with her to become a vampire. Yeah. And he... Uh, since, you know... I Sorry, I'm high. I can't remember if you already explained this. But since, like, he, he doesn't really feel like he fits in at school, the 14-year-old kind of uh, doesn't really know his way, you know, that sort of vibe, um, he kind of stumbles around, like, what is, like, romance and what is love. And in a similar way, I think... Fuck, what's her name? Um, the vampire? Nizuna Nanakusa? Oh, yeah, he calls her Nizuna-chan. Okay, yeah. Nizuna is also, like, which... I don't, we don't know why yet, because we've only watched the first few episodes, but uh, she's also, like, uncomfortable when it comes to romance, which you might consider to be a little strange, since she probably has lived a longer life than 
uh, our main character, I would say. She definitely seemed like she was from a earlier era, the way she was speaking and everything. Yeah, and then she had that super... Probably a couple decades older. Yeah, and then she had that super old cell phone that was super chunky. Right. So she's she's probably like at least 10 years older than him, I would say, at, at the very least. Yeah, and the way they fumble around the romance is kind of, I think, one of the appealing elements of the romantic comedy parts of it. Yeah, um, I I think it's great. Uh, I I think the first episode may have been like just a tad bl- bit slow getting everything set up, I guess. Um, but besides that, like uh, I had a really good time uh, with the episodes I watched. I definitely intend on finishing it, and I enjoy seeing those two stumble around their relationship and kind of do awkward things and get mad at each other. Um, I think it's cute. Uh, I, I like the main vampire girl. When I first saw her, I, I didn't really like her design, but it, it's definitely grown on me a lot. Um, I think she's silly. Uh, what, what, what do you feel about the first episode? I do think it's kind of slower, but I think like when you're doing a sort of romance anime, you can afford to slow down the pacing a little bit. Yeah. Because the, the, the promise of, like, what's to come when I talk about, um, I, which I'm pretty sure I've talked about on the podcast before, my idea of, like, I can watch one episode and tell, like, the artistic intention of a show. Yeah. And I think even if not a lot is said in the, like, first episode, not a lot of, like, action occurs... In a romance, you can still imply a lot of things that give, like, promises of what's to come, I guess. Okay. It's like romance is built on dreams, right? I think is the best way to put it. Right. And so I kind of like the, the exploration of, like, these... Like, he wants to be a vampire because he doesn't fit in, right? Yeah. And that's him willing to basically try to fall in love with uh Nizuna to become a vampire but you also get like the little bits of promises throughout the first episode that like he likes what she's saying about like the night and like a different side of people or whatever uh-huh he's interested in it he likes to think that way right yeah he's captured by it and so in a way she's kind of seducing him and she's doing it in a way that's, uh, I think, to basically get people back to suck their blood, right? Yeah. But I think it works more on him because of like his mindset for Co, right? Right. That that's the so that that's where I think the first episode kind of works there. And like, okay, I get what you're saying. Pulled yeah. me in. I will say, um, is Akira the end of the second episode? Is that when she's introduced? Yeah, I think that's like the the cliffhanger of this second episode is she shows up and is like has the red uh, transceiver watch. Yeah, so that entire episode I think is what like sealed my like I, I'm gonna finish this anime, right? I'm interested, I'm hooked. Is Okay. Everything in episode two, as far as, like, the the transceivers and, like, his actual, like, explanation of his childhood and friendship and everything and 
how he's grappled with that. Yeah. Is really interesting. Um, and then the transceiver is kind of playing a role in introducing Akira, his childhood friend. Right. It was just a cool way to turn what was a, like started out looking like a gag basically into something that worked throughout the episode again and again. Yeah. Because a, le- a less clever writer could have just said cell phones, right? And left yeah. it at that. But you got a little joke out of it and it more fits with the, the older vampire. And it's just, I guess, cool to have walkie talkies, you know? Yeah. And I think all those elements kind of play together into it being a, a clever writing device that then is used to introduce Akira at the end of the episode. How did you feel about that? Like, as far as the transceivers being used? So, yeah, I I really like that. I, I think it's definitely... Um, it, it feels like an organic situation that would occur from, like, ki- a kid version of Ko who... Um, maybe feels lonely but doesn't realize like the actions the simple actions that he can take to immediately like start surrounding himself with people i guess you know what i mean um so yeah i i i think it the from like i guess like the psychology of it um i really like that i I think it, it definitely feels like something kid co would do and so yeah the fact that it like ties in and that's how they bring in another important character uh, I think it was really cool so yeah I, I definitely like that part of it um, and then I was just gonna say that yeah that just leads to episode three which I think episode three is absolutely what sold me on the series um, so if I had stopped at episode two I might not have <laughs> kept watching but uh, episode three I felt like um, not only did you get to see co interacting with uh, someone else someone he knows but you also got the like first kind of like tension in the relationship of ko and nazana or what's her name uh yes nazana yeah yeah okay i was just making sure i had it right yeah um i i think the like his mind racing when she gets upset and storms off you know um of like oh what you know what did i do wrong well if you're seeking this like this is the justification for it you know that kind of stuff and so yeah it's just very like and and i say this kind of like poking fun at co but it's very blatantly something that i've done you know and i've pissed off my my wife in the past of, of like just completely missing the point um, which, you know, it, it's hard to until you communicate. So, yeah, I, I really like that they had the communication at the end. I think that's, like, healthy, you know, of, of like, it was it was kind of same night. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, this has been dragged out for a week or two weeks or whatever. It was the same night that they communicated. So I think that's pretty good. Like, uh, Nas and I got to go, like, cool off, right? And it's nice just seeing a, a more healthy relationship or friendship working right yeah i I get that and i think episode three is the first like dramatic conflict in the show yeah i was thinking of just saying conflict but that mystery is sort of a conflict i guess and there's 
there's a little bit in episode one and two, but definitely three is the big like dramatic moment, I would say. Or right. the first big one you get in the show. Right. I I I wonder if that is why the three episode rule was originally something I was saying. I'd have to question my my former self and where I got that from. But yeah, I I do like episode three. And episode three solidified me liking it, right? The show yeah. as a whole. But I already knew in episode two I was gonna watch the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty sure in episode one, I was like, I'm, I'm hooked on the concept. I'm hooked on the design. Uh, I'll actually go off on a little tangent here. The uh, the manga artist for Call of the Night, uh-huh. Kodoyama, also did uh, Dagashi Kashi's manga. I'm not sure if you've heard of Dagashi Kashi. It's the sweet shop romantic comedy sort of uh-huh. anime. I've only seen an episode. Um, okay. I wouldn't really be able to gauge my interest. It was just something someone else was watching, so it wasn't as registered to me. Yeah. Um, but I do like the designs. I'll uh, Let me go ahead and post just like the manga front for Dagashi Kashi. And so I'll, I'll also take the moment here to say... I want to have a list of, like, the anime and maybe media in general that we uh-huh. mention. Yeah. Uh, Scholar had mentioned we mentioned a lot. And so I wanted to kind of have a list of the, like, titles written out so you can Google them and look them up and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, anyway. I posted the character designs. Nice. I think you can see that there's kind of a familiarity in how Nazuna looks. Right. With the character designs here. And yeah. Koyamori, but the other characters are in the background there. Anyway. Yeah, you can definitely uh, see it in the limbs and the eyes. Yeah, so it was definitely recognizable to me, even though I don't know much about Dagashi Kashi. Uh huh. But it makes me kind of interested now in reading the manga and maybe reading the Dagashi Kashi manga. Hell yeah. Well, who would you say that Call of the Night is for? Who who would have a good time watching Call of the Night? Anyone who wants a a goth secretly vampire GF, yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, uh, for people who consider themselves more like loner type people, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I don't even want to say like introvert extrovert or something like that. Right. But, you know, people who think like that or night owls or whatever right mm-hmm. i mean the the attractiveness of being a night owl is basically having time to you know fuck off and read or write or fucking read wikipedia articles for hours without people bothering me right yes read at least an entire manga in a yeah that, that's what it is for me right when i stay up late yeah i mean yeah that that's definitely a part of the show that that I connected with, especially like, you know, in high school is, is just wanting to like stay up as late as possible and still just like get in enough sleep to go to school and do whatever. But, uh, yeah. And I mean, sometimes God damn it. I, I remember a couple times, uh, Sven and I just fucking staying up until 6am and then I was like, okay, well, fuck, guess I'm going to school now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. 
Um, nighttime is the right time. I, I love it. Um, so yeah, go check out fucking Call of the Night. Unfortunately, I think it's kind of hard to find right now. So, uh, but hopefully that will change in the future. Hopefully there'll be an easier streaming access for uh, here in the U.S. Um, but yeah, and I like the voice acting and everything. So I, I, I definitely would give it a watch and will so, give it a watch. So on the topic of finding somewhere to stream it, uh huh. Disney Plus, but only the Japanese Disney Plus has it for streaming. And I heard from a friend if you were to get a VPN, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Location for Japan, you should never do such a thing because I'm sure it's some sort of unethical. But uh, you know, oh well. It's it's hard to access. You just made a day trip to Japan. That's all. All right, so now we can talk about some summertime rendering, which, whoo, listen, Call of the Night was great, and I look forward to it, but summertime rendering got my fucking dick hard. Um, I, I very much feel, actually, I think, I didn't read through your notes, but I think somewhere you mentioned both um, Higurashi and Anohana as being, like, similar. Yeah. And I completely agree. Those are definitely two things that popped up in my mind within, like, the first episode, I think. Um, so it, I, I would definitely say it kind of has that, like, Groundhog's Day loop, uh, but not just a day, obviously. It could be many things. So, like, similar to Higurashi, similar to Endless 8 from Haruhi. Um, and I fucking am addicted to this shit now, okay? I, like... <laughs> when we watched Harvey together earlier this year, um, everyone was like, oh, fucking Endless Aid is terrible, blah, blah, blah. I loved Endless Aid. I don't give a fuck, okay? I loved it. I'll watch it again. Um, and then obviously Higurashi was, was genuinely fan-fucking-tastic. I think many people will enjoy that. I, I, I won't recommend Endless 8 to people, because I realize it's a fucking slog. But, uh... uh yeah, Higurashi's definitely fucking awesome. And so, yeah, the, the kind of, like, loop mechanic, let's say, um, I, I, I feel is rapidly growing on me. And so the, like, basic rundown of summertime rendering is that the main character... What's his name? Hold on. I never know the main character's name. Right. I know Mia's name. <laughs> uh, Shinpei. Shinpei. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so main character Shinpei has a childhood best friend who basically is like his family because he was taken in by them at a young age. So he like grew up in the same house as his good friend Ushio. And also, or Ushio, I don't know, whatever. And also her little sister, Mio. Um, so, uh, anyway, yeah, Ushio has unfortunately passed away. And Shinpei's going back to his home island. Their town is, like, on an island. A relatively small island. 
Um, and he's been away for two years, uh, presumably at like a different high school or something. Um, like maybe a, a really nice high school. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so, so he comes back to town for the funeral and then he learns that, oh, there was, and this is all like first episodes. I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything. Um, oh, there, there were like strangulation marks on her neck. So it wasn't just that she drowned. Someone strangled her. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so then it it kind of like goes on from there. And you learn very quickly about these shadows that are like weird, super supernatural beings that are imitating, like perfectly imitating someone's form and voice. Um, And they these shadows want to like kill their the person they're the doppelganger of. Um, And uh yeah, and, and so every time uh, Shinpei dies, he goes back to the day he comes to the island for the funeral. And so he's like, he very quickly, something I really, really like about the show is he very quickly realizes what's going on. Like, he, he thinks for a second that it's deja vu. He's like, whoa, this is weird. This seems familiar. And then something else familiar happens, and he's like, okay, no fucking way. This is, you know... <laughs> This ain't no fucking deja vu. Something's going on. So, yeah, I like how quickly he catches on to it and starts immediately trying to act to, like, make sure that he doesn't die, right? And keep looping forever. Um, so, uh, yeah, I really like that. I really like Shinpei's character in general from what we've seen from him. He seems, like, very honest um, and earnest. And Two qualities you love. Exactly. Two qualities I, I fucking adore. Um, also, I would say overall, Summertime Rendering has great animation, specifically, um, like when they're expressing things through body language, I think is really great. Dude, when Shinpei's fucking crying after, uh, Mio hands her Ushio's necklace with the, with the seashell that Shinpei gave her years ago. Yeah. All of that was like. I just the quality of the el- the animation elevates like how much I connect to the character in that moment. I feel like you know that that moment with the necklace is why I said it felt like a, a mix up of Higarashi and Anohana to me. Yeah, is like the emotion conveyed through stuff like that was like yeah, it elevated the uh, the scene. Yeah. Uh, I was going to make a off remark about loop anime and one that's pretty popular, uh, but you hadn't mentioned was uh, RE0, uh-huh. which is, I think, uh, like Isekai. I watched the first episode a while back, uh, like a fantasy world standard Isekai fair, but with the added little caveat that he gets to loop each time he's killed, basically. Yeah. It, it, and because he's more, I've seen the first one or two episodes before. Because he's more proactive about the loops, uh, it was something that I was kind of interested in, and then just never really got around to. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, going back to summertime rendering. I really like that uh, the main character uh, Shinpei's proactive about the loops. Yes, definitely. And um, something else that I noticed. Uh, well, I like that you're supposed to notice because they fucking like 
they call back to it or they flash back to it or whatever is um in episode one the loop he's going through which presumably is his first loop i think but um there is a person from just from the town that lives in the town that tells chinpei that he asked that he asked earlier today about a girl with huge knockers uh in glasses which like he was like you were looking for this girl right and this is how you described her and then he's like, what? Me? What are you talking about? And then fucking two loops later, he, he's asking that guy if he's seen this girl. And so I, I'm not really sure what this implies, like as far as like how the looping works. But it definitely has me scratching my head and theorizing, which I like. Um, I, I love it when an anime can get me to like really be sitting there pondering the mysteries, you know? Um, yeah, and... Uh, I like how, sorry to kind of interrupt here, but I like how the, what originally looks like just a murder mystery kind of introduces more of a horror element, or at least I feel like from adding like a supernatural monster weirdness to it. Yeah, the fucking cold-hearted, ruthless uh, doppelgangers that like come from these shadowy figures and all they need is like a look at you pretty much. And they can duplicate you. Yeah, uh, I, I think definitely there's that, like, it adds to the tension. And it adds to the, like, your perceived, like, threat that Shinpei is facing. I like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he described that. <laughs> Booyah. <laughs> Booyah. But, yeah, the, I, I like how it keeps the mystery elements strong. And I was thinking about as far as, like, what's considered horror if we say Call of the Night was like horror themed in the sense that there's vampires in it and it's about the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, summertime rendering is horror on the level of, you know, sort of a mystery thriller uh-huh. and horror with supernatural monsters. Right. Yeah. And I, I like the, I like the combination. I like the mystery thriller of the shadows being able to imitate people. Mm hmm. And I'm going to enjoy the, you know, supernatural monsters part because I just like monsters and stuff, right? Yeah. It's a it's a neat element. I like the little bits of static that go around the, the shadows sometimes. I'm interested in what that's supposed to imply, right? Yeah. They look cool. I don't know. I'm easy for stuff like that. <laughs> so... <clears throat> Damn, I'm I'm looking back. It's so funny when I when we first were like, okay, we're gonna watch this. I like looked at this main crew of uh, you know Shinpei, his his friend with the lighter hair color, Mio Ushio, and then the the big tittied girl. And uh, I like I assumed, you know, when you first look at this, that like they're all gonna be solving a mystery together, and that like they're a friend group. Or something, because they all look like roughly the same age, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, just the interesting first impressions. Uh, but what? <laughs> what was the? I, I'm always fucking extremely fascinated by that. Like my first impression of something compared to, you know, once I've watched it. Um, I wish I would have like better recorded, uh, 
like what I thought about Irma the first time I saw it, and like for those first few episodes, um, because you know, but it cha- it changes so much. But anyway, I don't want to go on another Irma tangent because I'll go on one every single episode. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just like uh, it, it interests me um, the weird things that you think about automatically when you first see something. Uh, but yeah, and it, I think in like episode three, the main the best friend. Maybe best friend? Maybe not best friend? Um, the friend character. <laughs> Hold on. You got me with names. If I'm not looking at them, I don't know them. I know, right? <laughs> uh, let's just do cast. We'll show so? Face is so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so says something that implies to me that he either... Or, or, or maybe Shinpei said it, I don't know, but it implies that So either likes, or like, has a crush on Mio or had a crush on Ushio. Um, I was wondering what you what you thought about that. Which one do you think it is? Hmm. I think it's Ushio, just from the way he acts. I think, like, um, the idea of protecting Mio is important because Mio's Ushio's sister. So, yeah, I, I think the way so acts doesn't he doesn't act like i i don't know it doesn't give me the impression that that with his interactions with mio that he like has those kind of romantic feelings for her yeah i do think it's uh ushio objectively uh-huh. and i've painted with the lens that i want it to be mio though yeah i really like mio as a character i think she's super cute she she was the one that ma- mostly made me think of the uh, like the appearance similarity to uh, Kyoto animation style. Yeah, she looks like she j- would just fit in and like Higurashi or or not, not Haruhi or something. Right, and she's super cute. You're right, she's great. One oh, of the first yeah. things you see is her striped panties. It's like immediately best girl. Bam, bam. There it is. <laughs> I feel like I I might eventually like Ushio more. I don't know. It depends. There's a lot of ways this could go. I think it just yeah. finished the anime. Oh, nice. It finished, I think, at the end of September. I really like Shinpei's hairstyle and his one bright blue eye. I love how one's just super bright and one's just dull. Yeah. It, it's a very cool effect. And I think might uh, might have implications. We should Have definitely it. do a full episode on summertime rendering. I believe. Fuck yeah! It seems like one we'll have a lot to talk to about. Yeah, um, I yeah we haven't even really met Big Tittied Girl. Um, not like we we haven't got like any like feeling for her character, I guess, and her motivations. Yeah, um, but yeah, so. I'm really looking forward to it. I honestly like. Obviously, if if you're into like a, a mystery or something, you, you should definitely give it a watch. I think, but I would just like recommend this to anyone. I think from the from what I've seen so far, I think this is just going to be like a really solid anime. If you like the loop element as like a storytelling device. I definitely think you should immediately give it a shot, right? 
Yeah. Whatever your first impression, you know, seeing the the cover is, seeing the uh, promotional art for it, looking at the my anime list page or the Wikipedia article, it's a very compelling mystery in the way it's presented. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only thing is maybe someone could be turned off by the time loop element. I feel like it has gotten very popular. Okay, fair enough. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. It, it Definitely give it a watch. I mean, I think it is it for looks, everyone. It looks sexy as fuck. The animation is very nice. Especially like if you the like style. the... If you're lo- looking for something that's like mystery horror, it's definitely something you'd be interested in. Yeah. A little bit of thriller element, some cutesy elements to kind of relieve you tension. You know there's going to be some good shipping. I'm definitely expecting it. Is that uh, 45 minutes? Uh, yep, just about. We got 21 seconds, so yeah, we can go ahead and cut. <laughs> I really love how Junji Ito draws his eyes in Uzumaki. Hell yeah. I think if... I've been seeing stuff that... Something about the way an artist draws their eyes is the most identifiable part of their art. Okay. And when I read that, I, it's something that kind of clicked with me. I was like, yeah, I kind of feel that, right? Yeah. And... Uh, I was looking at the first chapter of Uzumaki, and the way he draws his eyes, they're so real, even on, like, a when he draws the faces more simple. The impression that his lines give is more of a realistic eye, right? Which is a little unusual for manga. I wouldn't say hugely unusual. Yeah, um, I was gonna say... It kind of reminded me of early Claymore, but because, uh, you know, I wasn't used to looking at the, like, the realistic eyes, nose, and mouth, I feel like. Um, right. But it, like, fits much more in Uzumaki's art style, and, um, like, it goes along better with the head and the body, I feel like, um, and everything around it, but, and, and yeah, it, it kind of feels like a little bit more... I guess, like, developed and personalized than early uh, Claymore faces did. When the art (coughs) is so detailed that it almost looks like a photograph, which there might have been photograph models, whatever. I don't know how his process works. But when you actually go into that level of detail and, like, keep the style real enough, and yeah. like your your characters look real, it almost looks at like panels out of a movie, but it stays just stylized enough, I guess, to have like the the horror elements brought in. Yeah, I really like the style serving the the theme. Like, I feel like that's how it should be, right? Yeah, yeah. The the extra detail lending itself to the the horror and the the extra like feeling in a character's face being more similar to how you recognize real people's faces right yeah lends itself more to the 
feeling ex- the empathy, feeling exactly the sort of like disgust or despair that other characters feel, right? Yeah. Or at least I think helps for me. Not that like more stylized faces are bad per se, but I think those stylized faces are normally made to uh, add other features, make a character very beautiful looking or something, right? Yeah. Or comedic purposes. There, there's a lot of good reasons for style. So I like when it serves the the theme. I think that Uzumaki is a great horror manga through and through, and it is horror to me. Um, it almost would like remind me of a manga version of like a adult um, Goosebumps or something of that one, or, or maybe like a. Uh, <clears throat> a more mature goosebumps i, I kind of feel that though it's a there's a different theme each week but they're all kind of chained together in a story yeah so it, it kind of starts out almost feeling like episodic um but then it like builds and builds and it <laughs> spirals into chaos um and it i i, I think it constantly does a great job at like delivering disturbing imagery, which I think can definitely play a big aspect in horror. Um, obviously, Junji Ito has some of the most disturbing drawings I've seen from an artist, and just it's... the aspect of being disturbing. I wanted to kind of, uh, I guess this is the finally the time to ask, what do you think horror is like? True horror. Okay, so, wait, are are you asking me, like, as a genre? You're asking as a genre, right? Yes. Okay, yes. To me, the genre of horror is meant to, like, it's meant to make you feel, like, very unsettled. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying not to, like, say, like, oh, it's supposed to scare you, but you should be when you're like reading through a horror novel or a manga it should constantly be making you like anxious and frightened and like i i don't know if it if it if it makes you feel if it makes you feel as if something terrible is going to happen um and like repeatedly and you're you're worried about and it could even like unsettle you for things in the real world which i feel like for uzumaki would be something like um seeing a spiral in real life and then like looking at it for too long and feeling weird about it yeah you know um i think all of that is like the essence of what the horror genre is now there's i think many ways to do that you know some people choose like a jump scare some some people choose like incredible tension built up over time to like a a huge like culminating disastrous event um but yeah i don't, I don't think you have to like copy any one pattern so to speak um so i i think it's very interesting how it, it really feels like the story progression in uzumaki is spiraling and like i know i made that dumb joke earlier but like (laughs) everything feels like you know you you really start to get weirded out 
by all the spirals and considering that's what the main character goes through um you know it, it's like this this beautiful reflection of what's happening you're experiencing you know some of the at least some of the feelings of the main character of which this scenario is like ridiculous you know what i mean like it, it's not just that like oh I had someone punch me in the face one time and now seeing it happen to this character, I feel like empathetic because this is part of my history. No, the the story is inflicting this upon you. Okay. So <coughs> when you mentioned the, like the carryover into like real life reaction, it made me think in the sense of one, I would say that that was probably one of the reasons I said, I didn't feel it if it approached like what I would consider real horror or true Uh horror is that it didn't like invoke like real fear in me, like the emotional state of fear or like horror or dread or something like that. But I liked it. Right. Is a comedy movie good if I only laughed once? And that's definitely not like to say I like, I could really like the movie. Right. Yeah, is com- that is the purpose question. of comedy to make you laugh or are there like other elements to it right well yeah so is the purpose of horror then to make you like jump essentially i wouldn't say jump but jumps a good yeah like, i guess one to one to laugh uh do you know the feel uh, so you said like a real life fear well, of spirals and i've had like shows or books or movies that have invoked the feeling of uh, like not wanting to look in a mirror to see what the reflection is or like feeling like something's behind me or like suddenly having a fear of the dark that I don't normally have. Right. Do you you know what I'm saying there? I'm, I'm stuck on something. I'm very sorry. Okay. Um, I'm going to push back on the, like, is, is something funny or hilarious if it doesn't, if it didn't make you laugh and say, yes, absolutely. The purpose of, of comedy, like a comedy movie would be, well, to hopefully be hilarious. Right. I, I, you know, I was thinking back to all the times, like I've sent you something and said like, this is hilarious. And I mean it right. Like I, I, a lot of times, like, I mean, I'm not just talking about sharing any old meme. Like a lot of times, like I'll still think about something like weeks later, even though I didn't laugh about it. But also think about it weeks later and be like, wow, that is fucking like really funny to me. Um, And and even maybe it develops into something I laugh at. Right. Like maybe I didn't laugh at it in the moment, but now I'm like memeing about it to myself. Right. Yeah. Um, And so then like I, I really start laughing. So like that, I think that the source of that was funny. It was funny. It was hilarious. I don't. I don't think I need to to laugh at it. So that's my hot take. You don't have to laugh for something to be funny. To something to be really funny, to you, you could still not laugh. That's my. That's my hot take. I mostly agree with that. Okay, but, but I agree with <laughs> it in the, the sense that, like, I think you might not be able to be in the like right emotional state to like actually laugh and i'm not just saying like feeling bad or mad or something right 
uh-huh. you could just, like not have the attention or whatever, right? The right yeah. mindset. It could be funny when you think about it because like it's one of the hmms. Yeah. And even just when I say hmm, I don't just mean like the intellectual, uh, the way we use it among our friends, but just uh, I guess uh, think about the joke and like the more you think about it, the more it's funny, kind of the more you, the way you think about the word drawer, like the thing you pull out to get your fork, uh, the word is kind of funny or any word for that matter. Okay. Fair enough. But, but I guess in that- a, a, a positive instead of like a ne- negative loop. The more you think about it, the more the joke becomes laughing funny, I guess. Yeah, I, w- I would compare that then to like, um, so for instance, in Uzumaki, listen, we're talking, we're talking about the whole thing here. I'm not, I'm not fucking, you know, whatever spoilers, whatever. Um, but in Uzumaki, um, when they like multiple different people, like eat the snail human meat, um, that shit is like so i if i think about it in real life i think about like you know i mean obviously this is a ridiculous situation because like when am i going to be in a situation where people are like distrapped for food right but um hopefully not i hope not um I, i some people in some parts of the world obviously still are and that's terrible but yeah for me it's not like a you know it, it might not happen ever um unless like you know something some really terrible natural disaster happens or like a a war breaks out like on the territory i live on you know or something so yeah but uh it still it makes me feel like people what if people like are capable of like rationalizing eating someone like that you know and that's like that fucking unsettles me you know that makes me a little frightened so you know to me i i'm i'm like extracting post experiencing it i'm still extracting like fear and stuff from it i guess i guess my reaction to the cannibalism was just more of a gross out factor than like genuine fear okay well maybe maybe another example would be like um Well, I, I kind of we'll, we'll we'll talk a little more about Uzumaki here. I kind of feel like a lot of the things that happen are just like twisted. Like, you know, someone's obsession gets out of hand, and then they get given the weird, strange power to kind of enact their obsession. Um, so if if you go to like the girl that, which I, I think it, there's kind of like an implication, I guess. Hold on for the think about the, the hair meat. girls. For the snail meat topic. Do you think Kyrie ate the snail? Well, she said she did, right? Did she? Okay, okay. I, I was pretty sure she did, but... I, I Did they not illustrate it, I guess? No, they didn't illustrate it. And I think she said we. So I, I guess you could still say, like, oh, maybe... Um, What's-her-face, the reporter, and uh, Shuichi ate it, but maybe she didn't, right? Um... So I, I guess it's still a possibility, but yeah, it does say it doesn't illustrate it. And it says like we ate some or like a little bit of, of snail meat that night or something like that. 
Okay, I was fairly certain she had eaten it, but I was like, I don't feel like I ever saw it. I feel like the people eating the snail meat was very gross to me. Yeah, and I mean, like, to a certain extent, I feel like to that extent, like, me being grossed out of, like, what if I was starving to death and had to eat human meat, you know? That's, like, yeah, I mean, it's like a form of, like, anxiety, right? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. So I, I, I'm kind of coming around to the idea that something could be horror just from like the, the like real life unsettled like emotion. Yeah. And I guess what I would say when I feel like Uzumaki didn't deliver me like fear, I think there could be good like writing about madness because i'd say obsession madness that's something that's a big theme in uzumaki yeah um i I would say that's the biggest thing the closest thing i would say to like a a fear of something like a phobia for me right right something that would like spook me and then if i were to turn around in real life and like have thoughts of doubting sanity or something and the sense of like a something's behind me, a rational fear that yeah. other types of horror can invoke in me. Uh, I think that would be good horror that uses madness as its theme, but I don't think Uzumaki did that for me. Right. Okay. It was interesting. I liked it. I liked the art. It made me unsettled at time because there's a lot of like weirdness to it. And I, maybe the closest is like, it gave me like a paranoid feeling. Yeah. The But okay, I'm coming around to saying it, it's worth putting into the horror category of like a different feel of horror. I was very um <coughs> I was very like drawn in to the world um i actually i remember one of the first things i screenshotted i didn't even think i was going to take any screenshots usually i'll take like like a couple hundred when i'm reading a manga to like scroll back through and and remember things and feel you know that like all hundred were important to me but i'm just i guess that much of a a softy i just get impacted easily but anyway yeah i didn't think i was going to screenshot anything from uzumaki because i was like oh it's only 20 chapters well, like episode f- or chapter five or something, I did start and uh, let's see what did I have. Um, damn, I wish I knew what chapter this was, but it was when she was talking to the guy that she's been like going to elementary school with forever, but he's uh, like comes from a poor family and he lives in one of the row houses. I think it's like the first time the row houses are mentioned. Is that the romance one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, all the stuff about, like, uh, her, or, sorry, the guy's, um, parents being, like, constantly fighting through the walls with, um, their neighbor and, like, just constantly in a state of, like, unpleasantness, you know? You never see them happy. You never see them content. They're always, like, upset, angry. Um, I, they're just kind of... St- struck home for like how I've known you know friends growing up who live in like really rough situations 
um, you know, even like, like, I think we like grew up a little on, you know, on the low end, especially towards the end there, as far as income. Right. But like we weren't like, you know, having trouble with housing. That's the two. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think that was a great chapter as far as like delivering me the feelings of dread I was talking about. Yeah. It was like dread about those characters situation. Yeah. And the, the way the, the family is like the weirdness to them, how they're uh-huh. drawn everyone except the pair that are in love. Right. It, it definitely gives like a, an unsettling, like you have someone who's unpleasant and like looks weirder and weirder as time goes on. And the craziest thing is, is they push their children to being the ones that actually become the weird spiral monster at the end. Right. Yeah. And they're the ones that get deformed, but it's by their, their love for each other. Right. Yeah. Huh. And, and so I, I kind of like, it, it was making me feel like that for like most of the chapters. Yeah. I guess for all of the, like the different characters involved. And I, I, I guess like the characters are just very compelling and how they were like twisted was very compelling. Um, yeah, something I wanted to mention, fuck, I can't remember if I wrote this down, but, let's see, uh, well, I guess I just wrote down that the fear of someone losing their sanity was a big part of Uzumaki for me, but just to add on to that, um, the way in which, like, people start to lose it kind of feels like, um... I guess we kind of talked about this with Higarashi. It feels like it was within their character. It's just like their their weakness being exploited, almost, you know. Um, and I guess that's why I wanted to talk about the episode with the hair was to get to um, how, like, I it might be that maybe before the spiral infected uh, homegirl that she didn't want, she didn't care about standing out, but then, because then she says, like, um, oh, recently I've started to crave it. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't know. It's a, it's a little gray there, but I, I, I feel like still you could make the argument that she had the will to stand out before that, but anyway. Yeah, I feel like most of the rest of the manga, um, it, it, it feels like these characters are are being twisted through their their vices through their um you know less beautiful parts of their personality less beautiful parts of their soul i I think i have the best way to sum up the good that i saw in uzumaki the great i saw in uzumaki that you kind of touched upon uh-huh. Is the idea that the obsession, the the theme of each chapter, of that that obs- that character going insane, is kind of like a dive into that character's life and that character's uh, like mindset. Yeah, and I think it, it's a it was very interesting to basically get it. it what is twenty chapters long? Is long? Is that right? Yeah, twenty chapters. So it, it's basically give her 19 20 give or take chapters of uh different characters rather uh focusing in on each character while still maintaining sort of a kiri uh shuichi uh focus throughout uh-huh 
Yeah, it'll like bring it back to them as they sort of interact with these people that are being showcased in a particular chapter. Um, so yeah, it, it, it like, it is the journey of like Shuichi and Kiri. Kiri. Yeah. Shuichi and Kiri. But it like weaves through all these other characters, like inner psyches. I feel like it's sort of like the monster of the week format, but like applied to who's going crazy with the spiral this week. Or like yeah, what what spiral monster is gonna collectively drive people insane? Yeah, and it, it it builds and builds and then it gets out of control, you know. Um, God damn, I I really really enjoyed this manga. I think the it did something. Great. Yes, the art was beautiful. I think it did something beautiful as far as building out Kiri and Shuichi uh, through their development with their ties with their the people around them. Yeah. Because it starts, like, with their families, and, you know, then you get, like, friends and schoolmates, and each person relates back to Kiri and Shuichi, right? Yeah. And most of these people they knew before Mm -hmm. the events of the manga take place. Uh Uh-huh. And so you're building out this nice, uh, I guess, spiral, yeah, of character connections and everything that, like, is world-building in itself, right? Yeah. And it's very interesting in that aspect, and there's there's a little bit of mystery as like what's causing the spirals to occur, and what's driving people crazy related to the spirals. Mm-hmm. But and it has horror elements, I think, in the sense of like invoking dread in me, invoking paranoia, uh, feeling unsettled. Yeah, not so much fear and being scared. And I think there's a distinction there, but maybe they are all horror. You're right. Yeah. I mean, that's just my take on it, you know? Maybe it's not, like, a, a horror purist's um, preferred thing. But from what I hear, this Junji Ito guy is pretty popular, so, you know, maybe it is. But, uh, yeah. Um, fuck, what else did I want to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess I just thought it was kind of cool and definitely a big part of Shuichi's character that, like, he would do all these strange things, especially in the, you know, that would give off a strange impression to others, um, especially in the early chapters when everyone still, like, has their minds intact. Um, But, and, and definitely would seem strange to, like, someone who doesn't, like, understand the circumstances. Um and like what's actually going on well or, or that there that there is something going on i guess i should say you know like supernaturally um but yeah it's clear to the reader it's clear to kiri that you know he's he's very anxious but he's still like thinking clearly right so yeah i i, I just really like that about shuichi he is best boy very handsome I really like seeing the development of Shuichi's appearance from normal looking enough to like really bad dark bags under his eyes and his hair becoming more muscled and everything and him looking more gaunt. Yeah. It it really builds the like development of the uh 
the like as time passing the wear of everything happening on him right even though he always kind of looks uh a little unsettled and rough yeah you get you get some handsomes some handsome faces in there dude the fucking spiral city the last chapter that was just really weird to me. It's at the point where I just stopped any sort of feeling of like emotional reaction. I was just like, what the hell is going on at this point? Well, it, it to me, it really felt like a, uh, a climax of it, it. It was the fucking, uh, it was the eclipse <laughs> of the golden age. In the sense that, like, the, the town is completely unrecognizable from what it once was. Well, yeah, and that, like, this is it. I mean, yeah. everyone's dead. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even... Yeah, so... And, you know, one... A, a man and a woman are kind of what's left, but they're probably going to die. But, yeah, so the, it was kind of like Guts and Casca, but... Um, just in the sense of, of two lovers surviving. Yeah. I, I, I get what you mean with it being the eclipse then. Yeah, I, I, I definitely... The impact at the end of, like, the town's basically gone. All the people in the town are gone. It, it might not even, like... It might be memory hold out of existence. Who knows, right? Yeah. And... It was definitely compelling as, like, the the climax to all the all the fucked up in this that had occurred uh-huh but i guess it wasn't uh not not that it wasn't um it, it was just the point for me where I, I i guess emotionally disconnected from the story i guess not that yeah. it wasn't interesting and it's just i guess so much had occurred at that point that it had gone beyond the bounds of reaction right yeah yeah i get what you're saying or like if a if one murder is like horrifying, right, and uh-huh. a tragedy, and you know, eight is a a massacre, and it's like, it's worse, but is it as bad as eight individual murders, right? Uh huh. And then you know, just saying, oh yeah, ten thousand people died or something. That's a statistic that's at comprehensible levels of destruction, right? Yeah. Not yeah, not that it wasn't good. It's just it, it stopped being horrifying and started being like, oh crap, yeah, just everything's gone. Yeah, for sure, I get what you're saying. It, it was definitely a good, as far as like the weirdness factor being taken up and having a chance to have the really weird, intricate monster designs on scene. Uh huh. Something I'm always gonna fall for, right? Yeah. And just being able to see spiral monsters all over the place and spiral designs and ancient spiral cities and shit and the entire town all the row houses became a spiral looked really cool because it was so outlandish yeah and i think that's what drove me through to the end right yeah it, it was a very cool concept i liked it uh judge ito is i definitely want to read more of his stuff i'm gonna say cold easy and my love scale for it is a nine um, I really was was spooked. Uh, I really like the art. Like I said, Chewie Chewie's a great character. I also think Kiri's a great character. 
Um, but yeah, Sh Shuichi really stuck out to me. And uh, it was... The art style fits so well with the themes. And like I said, with the, like, the parallels between it makes you, like, fucked up about these spirals. And so you, you get that sort of, like, connection with Gary, um, I think is is really interesting. So, yeah, the, I think Junji Ito is, is uh, oh, he did a very good job with this one. I can't wait to read more of his stuff. So, yeah, how, how do you feel about it? What would you say? I almost want to call it super easy in the sense that it's delivered masterfully to, I think, cover as broad of a spectrum as possible and not in the, like, the lowest common denominator sense, but in, like, a an empathetic sense, I guess. Yeah. Junji Ito gives you a good lifeline with all the characters, right? Yeah, And even if you don't connect with one of the characters, it does go through so many, and I think Kiri and Shuichi are compelling enough as main characters. Definitely. That you're going to get a lot of what you like anyway. So, yeah, I, I, I would be remiss to call many things super easy. But, like, you don't really need any knowledge about any particular subject or interest in it even it Hell yeah. gives Super you easy. what you need it gives you the like uh the context you need and everything you don't really have to think about it it's very show don't tell not that having to think about something is a bad thing but it does deliver everything in a way that i think junji ito is trying to reach everyone with his art Um, cold is probably the right, uh, temperature spectrum. I agree with that. And I, I would say it's a 9 or a 10 for me. Let's say a 10. Oh, hell yeah. You love to hear it. I really liked it. Um, the art drew me in like a spiral. And that yeah. was what, like, it made me take each panel, like, with more time, right? When the art's really yeah. interesting to me, my eyes want to, like go over all the lines and go over them again or, you know like oh yeah you know this castle or something looks cool or this sword looks really cool right yeah and getting to see you know like the i really like the medusa hair when that started being a thing yeah the the way it got all sort of weird looks to it was really uh -huh. cool to me uh i really like the lighthouse too that had some yeah. really cool, like, visual elements to the, the light being, like, so intense. Mm -hmm. It really, it, it, it was compelling. Very much so. The, um, the, when they, in the hospital, and the fucking mosquito women come out at night, um, and she does that, one of them does that fucking, like, just short wave of spiral, you know, illusory kind of thing and the people are hypnotized yeah instantly dude i i don't know why but that really got like i really liked that part and i was like holy <laughs> shit this is about to be crazy but i mean I'm, I'm glad that it didn't like get weirder with like i guess like special powers you know 
but uh it fit it into like, like the the vampire theme yeah 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 which i, I like that it was like they were like vampires in yeah. a way but they, in, in a very weird and like fitting to the spiral theme with the the appearance of the weird proboscis and everything mm-hmm. that that was really good i i i don't like hospitals anyway so anything said in a hospital is like even creepier to me <laughs> hell yeah but yeah i love that i love the uh the like fungus exploding throughout the room and the, oh my god yeah. that was terrible and you just get so much like just weird shit to look at definitely it's yeah, a good it's even, a good read just looking at the the cool drawings yeah even in the like one of the first few chapters the the girl with the fucking scar on her forehead and then it like the spiral like fucking sucks in her eyeball yeah um yeah it's spooky shit dude and yeah yeah it, i i love that it like makes you more present about oh the eye follows the spiral to the center you know it sucks you in you're like oh i want to get sucked in <laughs> <laughs> all right let's let's fucking sign off we've we, we've said enough oh i wanted to say one more thing about the the monster designs when you get to the the spiral houses at the end and everyone become the weird amalgam of flesh yeah made me feel like it was a uh a dark souls boss or something right <laughs> i mean even the fucking people snails could be really they, they would be like the common enemy you found, and then you, when you get to the end, you have to fight the, the spiral of everyone. The, the fucking, uh, the dragonflies would be like a, you get to Anne Orlando. <laughs> and there's these motherfuckers on tornadoes that are just fucking blasting you. I completely forgot about the tornado surfers. The tornado surfers. <laughs> that that part actually made me laugh when they, the, the fucking like the yeah. kids were fucking doing fucking wild shit yeah the Muslims. I was like that that was very relatable just because I know what you know kids get up to yeah <laughs> okay yeah we get uh we get side off well guys Join us next time for some Dragon Ball. Dragon. Red Ribbon Army. And maybe a certain episode will come back from the dead for Halloween. Uh Booyah.